Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava CBD coffee is fantastic to start your mornings off with since it's rich in both CBD and CBG and isn't going to give you coffee jitters. It can be delivered to your house every two, four, six, or eight weeks, whatever you need. And now, besides it helping out with your chronic headaches and joint pains and so much more than that, now you can get 25% off your first purchase when you use code DNVR25 when you visit StravaCraftCoffee.com. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and on today's DNVR Rockies podcast, we've got to prepare ourselves for the first meeting of the minds between the players as well as the owners and MLB. They're finally getting together to talk about some real issues, the core economics of what's going on with this lockout on Thursday. We'll get you prepped for that. We'll also talk about the start of the international signing period that begins on Saturday, and it really is the future of the game of baseball. We know about the MLB draft and how much Major League Baseball is trying to pump that up and get a lot more attention on its young players before they even reach the minors. Well, the same is true in the international market. Players don't get drafted. They do get signed from Dominican Republic, Venezuela. We'll break down all of that, but some quick pitches here just to start the show. Interesting little wrinkles and in, in news that's going on, as we know. We are in day 43 of the lockout. It'll be day 43 on Thursday. So the news is few and far between. We do know that Derek Rodriguez signed a minor league deal with the Twins. You may remember that name as one of the players who was brought in last offseason to contend for the Rockies' fifth spot in the rotation, really just to be a depth piece down in Albuquerque, which is what he was. You got to see him in spring training, looked all right, and ultimately the starting rotation was pretty healthy for the entirety of the season. So he just plugged away down at Albuquerque, had a typical AAA Pacific Coast League type season down there, and so as a minor league free agent, he goes to the Twins. Another interesting story that, I don't know if it'll have implications on the Colorado Rockies, but it's certainly one to dream about. Certainly one to fathom about what would the Rockies do? That would be the Baltimore Orioles announcing that they're actually going to move back their left field wall at Camden Yards. It's the first time they've had really many uh, major adjustments to their ballpark, to the dimensions. And I think about 20 years, it's pretty much, you know, been, been true to form. A lot of these, baseball-specific stadiums that have come about here in the last 25, 30 years, Coors Field obviously being one of them. It's a baseball cathedral that you can really only play baseball there. You can squeeze a football field in, and you can squeeze a hockey rink in just about anywhere. We've seen that with the Winter Classic. But Camden Yards was that first baseball-specific stadium, really, with the throwback. And so there's only so many things you can do. They're moving back the left field wall. We may have to ask Drew Goodman on... Friday's episode, we're going to go live Thursday at 9.45 a.m. So if you are around Thursday morning, if you hear this or if you're watching live, you can tune into that. We'll get his thoughts on whether or not the Rockies could ever possibly do something with their outfield dimensions. And if so, what kind of benefit could that possibly have on the Major League team? Question right off the bat from our guy Henry here in the chat. Remember, if you got a super chat, and you're watching along live with us, go ahead and put that in. You'll move to the top of the pile. Otherwise, you can get yourself in line with uh, with a comment or question. And Henry asking, what are the chances a deal can get finished and agreed upon tomorrow? Zero percent. Zero percent. I wish I wish it was that simple. I wish it was that simple. But ultimately, we are not going to see either of these sides really start to move off of their stance until there's some kind of deadline. And there's really no benefit right now necessarily to getting a deal done. Now, obviously, it's it's good for the game, right? It's it's best for the game to move on, to have free agency, really take center stage. But one season of hot stove league, right? One season of speculating about rumors and uh, various rumblings for trades and, and free agent signings, things of that nature – one-off season of that that gets impacted negatively is really small potatoes to the millions and billions of dollars that are at stake when it comes to things like free agency, arbitration, 
qualifying offer, draft lottery, all these things that we're going to get into. And so it's really not going to be until we get down to the point where we may have to push back opening day that you start to see both sides go, all right, look, we've, we've pushed enough and we've, we've gotten towards the middle. We've gotten some of the things that we want. We didn't get everything. Both sides are going to be feeling that way. And one side may do a better job than the other. But until we get to that deadline, until we get to that artificial time in which they got to get a deal done or else we are going to have to move back opening day, we are not going to see these sides come to an agreement. It's still a bit of a chess match. So thank you for the question, Henry. I'll start here. The meeting that's going on Thursday is not going to be in person. It's going to be via Zoom. It's 2022. And I know two years ago, most of us found out what Zoom was in the first place. But the two sides are going to sit down. And I don't know there's going to be much of a discussion because this is a meeting that ultimately was called by the owners, was called by the MLB side, that they want to propose a couple things about you know, some, some core economic issues. They, they don't want to talk about free agency. They, there are some things they, that they are not going to discuss right now. They will eventually, but we are still at a stage now where you don't want to tip your hand just yet. You don't want to do that, but we're going to get some real issues sorted here between the two sides Basically, the owners and MLB, they're going to make a, a proposal and say, hey, here's what we are willing to do. The players and the Players Association are going to listen and say, thanks for your time and be nice and cordial, as they should be. And then they'll go back to their side and say, all right, guys, here's what the owners are proposing. Okay. And this, this is an important step on Thursday. A lot's being made of it, not because there's some hope that this deal can get done tomorrow. It's really because this is the first time that they've had any discussion since the lockout began. They've talked about some, you know, maybe more irrelevant issues, some of the smaller things where there doesn't really even involve a lot of back and forth. It's just not important. Like, for example, the players theoretically could say, hey, we want there to be more vegan protein options offered in every clubhouse. Owners go, yeah, okay, cool. You got it. Done. Hey, look at that. We came to an agreement. Those were the kind of things, for an example, that they were going back and forth with. None of it really had to do with the millions and billions of dollars that are at stake. So Mark Feinstein, you may have seen on MLB.com. You also probably didn't see this on MLB.com because I don't know about you. I I don't go to MLB.com at all. It's it's part of my job. It's It's part of what I love to do, and I would be on it multiple times a day. And now it offers nothing, not little to nothing, but basically nothing because they're not breaking any news. They're not and trying to entice you with, you know, the top 25 players under 25 years old or, you know, stuff about prospects, things of that nature. MLB pipeline does have that on their site, but there's really no reason to go over to MLB right now because MLB and their lawyers said, you know what? We probably shouldn't be advertising our players. We shouldn't have their their pictures up. So that's where you see a lot of those gray avatars. There are other lawyers and folks out there who have speculated, yeah, there's really no precedence for this. That, that's not necessary. You don't need to have these fake and gray avatars and, and remove all the video of, of any active player. You don't need to do that. Nevertheless, MLB, this is all part of their negotiating strategy. And MLB.com is is very irrelevant right now. But Mark Feinstein does an amazing job over on MLB. Mentioned a couple things that are going to most likely be a part of MLB's proposal. They want to disincentivize tanking, which is something I think everybody wants. And they would do that with a draft lottery. Now, if if you play Fantasy Commissioner, any kind of draft lottery that you create has to be one in which it doesn't promote losing, right? And I don't know that our draft right now promotes losing, but there's a benefit to being really bad for multiple years. It's a pretty good strategy to try to get your club back on the right track and to build somewhat of a dynasty. We saw the Cubs do it. We saw the Astros do it. A lot of teams have been really successful. Other teams, not as much. The Phillies tried it. 
They could have done a better job at it in, in a few ways, but it worked. The Washington Nationals did it. That's how they were able to get Steven Strasburg, Bryce Harper, right? They, they did it for a shorter period of time. They were the first team to kind of really take that leap even before the Astros and Cubs did it. So there's a benefit to tanking. It's, it's a strategy that works, especially if maybe you have some trouble with your scouting and developing and you're a, maybe a smaller market team or a mid-market team and you just can't figure out how to win or you can't figure out how to win a division secure a pennant, whatever it is, tanking is an op option that gives you a lot more opportunities. And so you have to disincentivize that. So a draft lottery is a way to do that, where even if you have the worst record, even if you lose 120 games, something absurd like that, you're not guaranteed the first pick. You're guaranteed the best odds, but you're not guaranteed the first pick. There also most likely will be a couple of wrinkles in there as far as whether or not you can be in the lottery in consecutive years. So you could lose 100 games in back-to-back -back seasons. One year, you're in the top three picks. The next year, you're the fourth pick. Or, or maybe there's, there's five teams in the lottery. Again, these are going to be some of the proposals that are going back and forth. You don't have to promote winning, right? I don't think it's necessary. That's been one of the things that's been bandied about, this idea that, well, you could do almost a reverse standings. And so the first team that doesn't make the postseason gets the first overall pick. And again, that that incentivizes being good. But I think we know that. I think we know teams, most teams, are going to want to be good. There, there shouldn't be a reason to go out and be good. But we have to prevent there to be, we have to prevent reasons from having teams go out to lose and benefit from it, right? The, the downside on something like a draft lottery or even a system with that reverse standings is keep in mind, there are some teams that just generally lose and they've got poor leadership and they suffer. And that's really only going to hurt them even worse, you know? Um, and yes, I'm specifically talking about the Pittsburgh pirates who their farm system is doing a lot better. I'll give them that, but you know, they, they try They're They are, are, are trying. They're not necessarily tanking and, they are having serious issues. So the draft lottery is coming. I think that's going to be a popular way to reduce tanking. There's there's going to be some financial implications to that, but nothing too major that both sides, I think, are going to step away and, and say, yeah, this is this is good for the game. They're also going to talk about, according to Mark Feinstein, eliminating the qualifying offer system. Now, I was a little surprised by this because – one of the reasons the qualifying offer system is in place is so that small market teams, if they can't re-sign their players because they're going to larger markets, whether that's a mid-market mid team or a large market team, they're, they're losing them. They can't contend. They don't have the money to pay those players. A, they might have the money. They just might not be willing to spend it. But B, and this is more important for the players, players are being hampered by the qualifying offer. If if you get the qualifying offer and you reject it, that means you're a good player. But that also means that your team, or your next team, if they want to sign you, they now have to give up something to get you, right? They're going to maybe lose their first round pick or their second round pick, whatever it may be. And so there is a penalty for signing you. And that, that might be reflected in the offer that you get as a free agent. You know, I, we saw that with a guy like Mike Moustakis, who inexplicably, I think he had signed like back-to-back one-year deals when he finally reached free agency. Uh, this was at the start of the last CBA when a lot of red flags started going up about the owners maybe taking advantage of the system, working together. Not really collusion, but what they did work because we did see salaries go down since the start of the last collective bargaining agreement. So I think we're going to see the, the qualifying offer system go away. Does this mean that smaller market clubs, if they lose their players and they sign elsewhere, do they get no compensation whatsoever? Could be. That could be the case. Another issue is the universal DH, which has a lot of financial implications. Now, spoiler alert, and I'll talk about this in a second, but I do not think the universal DH will be implemented in Major League Baseball in 2022. 
I don't think that's going to happen. But I do know what's going to happen is that we're going to have some fantastic watch parties down at the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax and York. You should know that when you sign up for your first month, it's only 50 cents. And guess what? You get a bigger beer. We're going to supersize it for you when you're down at the watch party or if you're just down there at happy hour from 3 to 6 p.m. with drink specials and appetizer specials. That's from 3 to 6 p.m. every single day. If you got your annual membership, you know you get a free t-shirt down at the dnvrlocker.com. You get discounts when you have those tailgates. We got one for the Nuggets coming up too. Got the big old bus driving you down to the stadium. You can hang out at the bar nice and early. Do that thing. Members only Discord. So many benefits besides all the great coverage we have from the Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, Broncos, etc. When you sign up to the dnvr.com today. You do know that Breckenridge Brewery is our official beer of DNVR. That's Avalanche Ale, Strawberry Sky, Vanilla Porter Jr. But Breckenridge is also our official seltzer. That's right. You can also get that on the corner of Colfax, New York at the DNVR bar. You can stock your refrigerator wherever alcohol is sold. You can get a 15-can sampler that comes with apple pear, black cherry, honeydew, mountain berry, and peach. And maybe my favorite part of what Breckenridge Brewery is doing And one of the great reasons why I'm so proud that they are one of our partners and sponsors is that a portion of their profits is getting donated to the National Parks Conservation Association this year. They did it last year as well to help prevent forest fires. Ball Aerospace and Technology, what they are trying to help to do is practice diversity and inclusion. They want you to feel comfortable. They've been noticed by the Human Rights Campaign for creating this culture of belonging, 100% corporate equality index score. You're free to be your authentic self, no matter who you are, no matter what you are. Ball is an iconic brand, and right now they're hiring folks that have technical and mechanical experience, $27 an hour, comprehensive insurance, active the day of hire. Text GOLDEN to 77222, and you'll get linked to open positions. You can also go to direct. You can also go directly to jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. Here's why I don't think the Universal DH is coming to Major League Baseball in 2022. That means there's going to be 15 more jobs for free agents or big league players, veterans, 15 more jobs, not 15 more roster spots. It's still going to be 26 man roster, but that's 15 new jobs that are available. And by that, I mean, think about a guy like Nelson Cruz. Think about a guy like Albert Pujols, who miraculously was still able to play National League Baseball with the L.A. Dodgers. Tip of the cap to both Pujols and the Dodgers for doing that. But look at a guy like Nelson Cruz, who's essentially a career DH at this point at age 41, going to age 42 season. Where is he going to play on the Rockies? Nowhere. He, he, can't, he can't play the field with the Colorado Rockies. So that's now half the amount of teams that could possibly go after his services. Therefore, it reduces the amount of bidding wars, and he gets less money. The Players Association gets less money. Salaries go down a touch, right? It's just a fraction, whatever it may be. But these are the kind of things that the players are going to be arguing for. So that universal DH that we had in that pandemic stricken season with no fans in 2020, that was a little teaser. That was a taste to say, look how sweet it could be. And we all thought, yeah, this is great. And the owners would agree that it's great, but they also understand that it benefits the players a little bit more than it does the owners. It benefits both parties, right? That the game is better, but it specifically benefits the players who are older, right? They're they're future designated hitters. They're current designated hitters. It benefits the players. And so if the players accept the DH, they're going to have to give up something. What are they giving up? That's all a part of this negotiation. And maybe one of the better parts that I think both sides can agree on, I think maybe even you listening at home can agree on is the minimum salary for players who debut first, second, third year players before they reach arbitration. The minimum salary is set to go up. Will it be as much as the players want? Will it hit the $1 million mark? I don't know. That would be, you know, close to doubling. I think right now it's like $570,000 is the, the league minimum for a ball player who, who just comes up and, you know, a million dollars is nearly doubling it, but that really is how the league minimum goes up each time the collective bargaining agreement is agreed upon. And I don't want to get too into the weeds with this, but there is this idea that, look, if a minimum salary player 
is making more like a million dollars, then it becomes less easier to just supplement your roster with these young players, right? If you're, if you are shuttling players back and forth to Albuquerque, to Denver, I put them on the 10 day IL, whatever it may be. But if you are optioning players back and forth up and up and down to the minors, they are, you're not paying them very much, right? You don't have to pay a veteran because you are using, let's say five rookies or five players who haven't reached arbitration when really you're just talking about two or three roster spots. And if I sign a veteran for two of those roster spots, I know I'm going to have to spend three, $4 million, maybe for, for, for both of them. But if I've got these league minimum players, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be saving money for similar production. I, 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 let's go with the, let's just go with the, the league minimum players. So if you increase the league minimum salary, that's going to change the dynamics just a little bit. Now, despite what will certainly be, like I said, little to nothing that'll happen after Thursday's meeting. Again, it's an important part of the process, this back and forth, right? You, you have to have these early back and forths. It's because once you get to the end, all you have is the communication that's gone on and back and forth, right? So that deadline, as I said with Henry's question early on, is going to be the start of the regular season, right? That's Those are the deadlines that we're going to start to see. If you're watching this live, it's January 12th. If you're watching this as a, if you're listening to this as a podcast, it's January 13th and a month away, February 14th is the first date that some teams have their pitchers and catchers reporting. Do you have to get a deal done so that pitchers and catchers can report on time? I don't think so. You did see players get ready for, albeit a shortened season, you did see them do that during 2020 in about three weeks. And so there is this chance that, you know what, maybe you only need three weeks of spring training. Players are going to get hurt. It's not going to be pretty, but you can have your season start on time, even if you only have three weeks. So February 14th, pitchers and catchers should be reporting. Are they going to? Probably not. February 26th is supposed to be the first spring training game, right, for the Rockies. It's at Salt River Field against the Diamondbacks, a tradition that dates back to now over a decade, right? Facility first opened up at Salt River Fields in 2011, and it's always Diamondbacks, Rockies. It's that partnership, those two teams that Kelly McGregor was able to get going down there in, in Scottsdale. And again, that's another one of those dates. You go, that's going to be a lot of lost revenue for those facilities and those people down there. But those facilities and those people down there, they're not MLB and the MLB owners. They're not the players and the players association. So they are unfortunately going to be an innocent bystander in all this. March 31st, though, that's Opening day all around baseball. The Rockies are supposed to be in Los Angeles for four games before coming back to Coors Field on Friday. That'll be April 8th. Yeah, Friday game. I know in the past we, we typically have the home opener on a Thursday. It'll be against those same Los Angeles Dodgers. So opening day is the day you do not want to move. And so really the question is how little buildup time how much of spring training do you actually need? Because that's really going to be the deadline. Now, if both parties come to the table, as we hope, and have a little bit more back and forth and, and acquiesce the other side's wishes and, and, and hopes and proposals and says, okay, we'll meet you in the middle. If they do that, then maybe they get the deal signed sooner than later. But if one of the sides is really dug in and they want what they want, right? They they want to get their proposal accepted and they don't want to give up quite as much as the other side, then maybe we do move into March before this gets agreed upon. And maybe we do move into the second week of March. A lot of people are starting to say first week of March is most likely going to be when something gets done. It's still early in, in the stages, it's crazy to say that here now, 42, 43 days in, but they're really just now starting the discussion about finances. And so we're going to, to have to wait and see what's going to go on with, with, with this in, in the back and forth. Some of the other core economic issues, of course, you got the luxury tax threshold 
MLB is willing to increase it. First, they said, hey, we'll bump it up $4 million. Okay, from $210 million to $214 million. All right. Uh, then they advanced it up to two twenty. So they are willing to go up, but incrementally. And for better or worse, the collective bargaining tax, this soft cap, has been bad for the players. It absolutely has been bad. It it might be good for the game, right? Look, let's face it. The Dodgers and the Yankees, they are operating on an unfair level because of the size of their markets. There's no way to, to possibly balance it out. Doesn't mean you shouldn't try. You definitely should try. But there's no way to balance it out. By having the soft salary cap, what that does is it allows owners to say, hey, we got to be careful with our finances. We can't approach this number because if we go over it, we're going to get hit with a tax and we're going to have to pay that tax. And yeah, we're, we're talking about money. It's okay. We know the owners have it. We know the owners are okay with spending it. Look at what the Dodgers did this year. They blew past the tax to an ungodly level like we haven't really seen before. And they're going to be fine. And they can do that. They can do that. I also think there's some middle market teams and even some smaller market clubs that could probably do that for one year. But they're not because they've got this soft cap to point to and say, sorry, we can't increase our offer. And we know the other teams are going to say the exact same thing too because they are under the same constraints. So it was supposed to be about competitive integrity, according to the owners. However, now it's, it's really been used to simply not spend right and so this is something that this is going to be another big one to figure out and you know you could say there should be a salary minimum but again if you want to get something from the owners you're gonna have to give up something and it may not necessarily be worth it it may not necessarily be worth it so you may have to be careful what you wish for and i know a lot of you out there are wishing for a victory this weekend in the NFL playoffs because they're here. The DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Check this out. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can bet and get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team, any, to win their game. You bet just $5 and you win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. Also, customers can get in on DraftKings Hammer the Over promotion. Basically, for every 5,000 bettors who take the over in Saturday night's Buffalo versus New England game, the point total will lower by half a point. That's it. Hammer the Over has hit zero every time DraftKings has run it, so bettors won when the first point was scored. That's it. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code DNVR, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win $280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code DNVR this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. The first step to good health is taking care of your mouth. It's really true. And the folks at Green Mountain Dental Group have been pivotal in keeping those of us at DNVR in great shape. Same is true for our DNVR listeners who've switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist. When you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you're going to receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. Well, for our final segment, we got to talk about the international signing period. What the heck is that? And why doesn't it get more notoriety? Why doesn't it get more press? Why doesn't it get covered more? Well, a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's not on U.S. soil. International signing period uh, boils down to the period, which is now January 2nd, and it goes until December 15th. It previously was July 2nd. That did change after the pandemic. They worked it out where they, they moved it back since well, frankly, there was going to be no way to scout these players in the summer of 2020. But it goes from January 15th, which will be Saturday, and it ends in December. And this is a period in which amateur free agents, so that means kids that are 16 years old or older, can be signed from 
Latin America and the Caribbean. So we're talking Dominican Republic, Venezuela, Cuba, Colombia, Mexico, all those places you can sign players. Now, there are certain rules, there's certain limitations of how this works. And it again is something that changed with the most recent CBA. I think I don't I don't know that this is gonna happen just yet, but eventually I think we'll see an international draft. I think we will see something like that take place because there's a lot of maneuvering that can happen in the international signing period that can benefit some of the bigger market teams, even though there are limitations on the amount of money teams can spend. So each club has a pool of bonus money to spend. And this year, the Colorado Rockies actually have the highest bonus pool money. They've got $6,262,600. How's that for an exact figure? So about $6.3 million It's the same figure that all the other teams that selected in the competitive balance round B last year, Cardinals, Diamondbacks, Cleveland Guardians, Baltimore Orioles, Padres, Pirates, Royals, they all have 6.3 roughly to spend. In the next tier, you got about 5.7 million. That's Brewers, Marlins, Rays, Reds, Tigers, Twins, the teams you saw in the competitive balance round A of the Rule 4 draft, as it's called. And then everyone else gets about 5.2 million, which is a million dollar less than the Rockies have to operate, which is good, right? That means the Rockies have an extra million dollars to go and spend on these amateur free agents. Now, every team has at least 5.2, except the Blue Jays and Dodgers, because one of the wrinkles in the international signing period is that if you sign a player, who rejected a qualifying offer during the previous season, you get less. And so that was the case. The Blue Jays, if you remember, signed George Springer, started off the year a bit banged up and on the IL. The Dodgers signed Trevor Bauer, who also did not have a very productive season, as we know. And so Jays, Dodgers, only get $4.6 million of bonus pool money to spend. That's about $2 million less than what the Rockies have. And so teams can't trade this money uh, during a signing period. So right now you couldn't go and, and get extra money. But MLB Pipeline does a good job covering this. So does Baseball America. Uh, and you can go and, and get to learn some of these names. Now, the, the reason why it's, it's good to just keep your eye on this, you don't have to be too hardcore about it because sometimes these players don't really develop. But think of it like this. Two, uh, three of the most exciting players in baseball are, what, 21, 22 years old. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Fernando Tatis. You also have Ronald Acuna Jr., Juan Soto, 22 years old. And they all signed at 16. Six years ago, these kids were in the Dominican Republic, somewhere around the Caribbean, Latin America. And yeah, they, they were destined to be great ball players. Not all players who are destined actually have their their destiny come to fruition in that capacity. But in six years' time, they're almost household names. And so you keep your eye on what's going on in the international signing period like now, and you might know who's on the come up, right? Who What teams have the best farm system, things of that nature. So according to MLB Pipeline, the breakdown of top 50 players is like this, and it looks similar to what you see in the majors. There's 25 of the top 50 are from the Dominican Republic, 15 from Venezuela, four from Cuba, two from Colombia, two from Panama, and one each from the Bahamas and Mexico. Only two of the top 50 are pitchers, but six of them are catchers. And one of the cool things about this particular signing class, uh, international amateur free agents, is that there is really this groundswell between Venezuelan pitchers and catchers like they're they're really you know growing and that's become somewhat of a, of a hotbed and you got to feel good about the fact that hey wait a minute the Rockies have a lot of really good and talented Venezuelan ball players right they they've got the two pitchers they've got Hermen Marquez and Antonio Senzatella who were both part of the same signing class in 2011 and you got Elias Diaz, who's your catcher now for the next three years. So that's I like that kind of symmetry to know that you know the Rockies are doing well in that department, and you know that the Rockies are leading the way as far as you know top players from those countries. Now, 
there are always plenty of rumors about where these guys are going to sign because, you know, as soon as they essentially enter middle school, they're 13, 14 years old, they're already talking with teams. Uh, they have these things called buscones who act as like player agents for the kids and you work with them and it's gotten nefarious at times. You know, go back and listen to a couple times in the offseason talking with DNVR's AJ Hayfley of the Avalanche Beat, as well as Andrew Mason, who covers the Broncos, talking about what went down with Atlanta a few years ago and their general manager, John Coppolella, who did some very questionable things to sign players and, and move some money around. And it's, it's something that does happen from time to time with all 30 teams, I think, in, in, in bigger ways than others and some in some smaller ways, right? You just, you work around it, but Coppolella went too far a flight and, and too far off the line and got himself a lifetime ban. They, they had to make an example of him. And so that's the unfortunate thing when you're talking about international amateur free agents of this capacity is that there's always somebody trying to get a kickback, try to take advantage of, you've got these billion dollar companies trying to sign 14, 15, 16 year old young boys who come from impoverished countries. It's, it's a little questionable, but Elian Soto, yes, the brother of Juan Soto. He's only 15 right now, but uh, he's got all of this year uh, to to mull over the decision whether or not he'll sign with Washington. They're believed to be the front runner, so that's cool that those two brothers will be able to play together. One of the top prospects, a shortstop, Roderick Arias, has been tied to the Yankees. So despite the fact that they are in that third tier group with their money, they've got one of the best players coming to them. But again. Just because you spend the money on a player doesn't mean that they end up developing. In fact, we can talk about some of the Rockies examples of players who, you know, were big prospects in the minors and were big prospects and they when they were signed internationally that, you know, maybe didn't come to fruition, right? They they didn't become what I think everyone was hoping for. But it's still fun to go back and remember some names, right? We all love remembering some names. So here's a name for you. Catcher Willie Rosario. He signed out of the Dominican Republic at, I think he was 16 when he signed that year, came to the U.S. at age 18 and played ball in Casper, Wyoming, no less. Think about that. That is, that's a culture shock to say the least. How about Juan Nicasio? He was actually a late signing. And so again, the best players are signed and scooped up early at 16 years old, like as soon as they become amateur free agents, right? They've, they've been superstars you know, since they've been 12, right? Or, or since maybe they hit a major growth spurt. So they signed at 16, but Nicasio actually wasn't signed until 19 years old at the Dominican Republic. Rafael Ortega, there's a name. I think he only got two games in purple with the Rockies in, in 2012, but he was a 16-year-old when he signed with the Rockies. If you remember that name and you were really hoping on Rafael Ortega, especially if you collected some of his baseball cards. And I love talking with more and more of our members about their baseball card collections because it's one of those segments, again, of baseball fans and, and hobbyists that is is starting to get a lot more coverage. And it's, it's cool. Everybody wants to collect cards. You might be afraid to do it or worried about either being taken advantage of or the, the investment in it. But those of you that had the Ortega rookie cards and, and – cards of his when he was a prospect. Hey, it finally, finally worked out for him a little bit this year with the Cubs here in, in 2021 and had a really solid season. I think he could be a good contributor for the Cubs next year as well. Another great example, Ramel Tapia, right? Signed as a 16-year-old at the, at the Dominican Republic. Now, he did need two years in the Dominican Summer League. That's the other element to this too is players get signed uh, they also, before they even go to the Dominican Summer League, they can also play in something called the Tricky League, which is for players who uh, haven't quite signed or some have signed, but uh, they're not going to jump to that maybe organized ball of the Dominican Summer League. So uh, it, it's something where, again, there's not a lot of information out there because they're playing on a field that may be all dirt, right? All dirt infield, doesn't have a lot of grass on it, whatever it may be, but he needed two years down in the Dominican Summer League. Tapia did uh, before. I don't. I don't know how else to say, but he hit the ground running in the U.S. He won the Pioneer League batting title in Grand Junction at 19 years old. He even rolled off a 29-game hit streak, and 
you know, a, a star was born and he might not be a star in the major leagues, but he holds a really important place in, you know, the hearts of a lot of Rockies fans. And, you know, there'll come a time when, you know, maybe Ryan Maltapia is no longer a Colorado Rocky, maybe because he retires as a Rocky or his career just comes to a natural end or he goes somewhere else. And when you look back and you think about, you know, the greatest Rockies outfielders of all time, I think he might end up higher on a list than you might realize. He he might not have a, a season like a Preston Wilson or even a, a one-year season like a Jeremy Burnitz, but you're going to go, yeah, but he was there for so long. He was there 17 and 18. The highlights, the hair, the excitement. Rymel Tapia, you know, again, superstar in the minors, not a superstar in the majors, but a superstar in our hearts. Isn't that sweet? Christian Adames, there's another name. That'll bring you back. How about this one for a name? Since since I mentioned a shortstop, Rosel Herrera. Yes, Rosel Herrera. He was signed at 16 years old, made an immediate impact, right? He was actually even named one of the top players in the Pioneer League at the time up in Casper. He was 18 years old, played alongside his Dominican teammate, William Rosario. Perfect. Even better, though. Think of this. You actually had Rosa Herrera and Trevor Story splitting time at shortstop and third base for the Casper Ghosts. Talk about a tandem on the left side of the infield. That's amazing. Now, Rosa Herrera, some of you are going, I, I've been paying very close attention to the Colorado Rockies. I, I go to a lot of games at Coors Field. I've, I don't know that name. Well, that's because he never actually played for the Rockies. He was on the 40-man roster for a couple seasons, but you know, be tried to, they tried to slip him through the waivers once it did work. He became a minor league free agent and he would eventually make his big league debut with the reds in 2018. A couple other names you may that rather a couple names that never appeared for the Rockies, but you probably had your eye on at some point or aware of left-handed pitcher, Jason Aquino. How about right-handed pitcher, Yohendi Heminian. Yes, Yohendi Heminian. Double J's, too. Not double H's, double J's. He he hasn't made it in the majors yet. He's come close uh, a couple years ago. I, I think he's still going to give a go of it. Still a super young guy. you got outfielder Pedro Gonzalez, who I remember going to see in Grand Junction. And he was a key part of the Jonathan Lucroy trade. Right, He was the player who went over to Texas for Jonathan Lucroy. Now, Gonzalez is... He was 23 this last season, and he was still in high A for Texas. So not in a great spot. You go again. That was a great trade for the Rockies in getting Jonathan Lucroy to be your field general, to be your catcher for that 2017 run. And you give up a prospect that you liked. There's a risk-reward. And guess what? Even if Pedro Gonzalez was a perennial all-star, you can still go back and, and say, well, you know what? We really needed that postseason. We, it had been eight years since we had been in the postseason. So you know what? It was worth it, right? You'd, you'd scratch, you know, you'd be a little upset and think, but did you have to give up that guy? As it turns out, it was a great deal. It was a great deal. Same thing with the Pat Neshek deal. I think that was great. J.D. Hammer pitched a little bit for the Phillies. Now he's back in the fold. He signed with the Rockies this offseason on a minor league deal. And then the only other one that you had, from 17 and 18, actually, you did have the Jerry Vasto deal in 2018, a.k.a. the Drew Butera deal. That worked out fine. Unfortunately, Vasto's career did not take off after he was traded to the Royals. And he got Sung Wan Oh, who was dealt for Chad Spangenberger and second baseman Forrest Wall, who I think he did debut with Toronto this year. But you you say, that that's fine. Like You need these pieces to make a run to the postseason. And they they took the risk, the Rockies did, and they definitely got the reward. And so a guy like Pedro Gonzalez, you hope he can figure it out at some point. But these are some of the international free agents the Rockies have signed in the past and have been able to use as an asset and say, hey, you know what? We're a little bit short here. We've got to improve our roster. Here's how you can go about doing it is, is by using some of your, your better prospects. And the last guy I do want to end on here is – a guy like Carlos Herrera, who didn't get a lot of press, and rightfully so, 
Now he he did in 2013. So he was actually the Rockies' highest signing. Like they paid the most for him. They signed him for 1.2 million dollars. And in 2018, when I first started working for DNVR, uh, kept my eye on him. Did really well at High A Lancaster, but he regressed in 2019. Became a minor league free agent, which happens after you've been in the minors for seven years and have not been added to a team's 40 man roster. So it's kind of similar in the majors, right? You have six years of service time, six or more years of service time, and you can become a free agent. Well, same can be true in the minors. If you're just kept down there and the team doesn't put you on the 40-man roster, hey, somebody else might want you, and, and you might be able to make a 40-man roster, which has actually happened. There have been minor league free agents who get placed on a 40-man roster even though they've never even been in the majors before. So, you know, Herrera, he did sign with the Angels, you know, wasn't much better in 2021. So we'll still wait and see. The Rockies spent there on him and, and unfortunately didn't work out. Rockies typically have a philosophy of spreading it around. They won't go out and sign that one player, that big name guy, especially because if you put all your eggs in one basket and then, you know, it, that player doesn't develop like you hope, well, now you can't turn around and say, hey, that's okay. We got some value out of these three or four guys. Rockies need depth. They need depth. They they haven't had more depth th- since 2017 and 2018. Do you remember everybody arguing about Gerardo Parra and Cargo taking up room on the roster when David Dahl and Ryan Tapia should have been playing? That was a fantastic argument. It was a fantastic time because there were more players than there were roster spots. And so I understand why the Rockies don't go all in on one guy that they think, This is going to be the guy. This is going to be the one. Similar to what the Toronto Blue Jays did when they signed Vladimir Guerrero. They basically gave him all of their international bonus pool money to get Vlad Guerrero Jr. But that was because not only did they have some great scouts, which, okay, I'm sure you can say, "Ah, I could have picked that guy up out of a lineup. Maybe, maybe. But for every Vlad Guerrero Jr. that, really panned out and worked out, there are about three or four other guys that didn't do what he was supposed to do and everyone thought. So not only did the scouts do their job, but they were trusted by the organization to say, you know what, this is a bit extreme, but we feel like we're going to hit on this player. And when we do, we're going to have a perennial MVP type candidate that can really carry our franchise. And you go back and look, and they were absolutely right when they signed him. Will the Rockies do that at some point? That remains to be seen. That's why you need to make sure that you're continuing to follow the DNVR Rockies podcast or subscribe to the DNVR, now only 50 cents for your first month. Of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention some current Colorado Rockies that were international signings, right? Antonio Senzatella, a bargain. At only $250,000 out of Venezuela. Carlos Estevez, who was a, another one of those late signings. Senzatella signed at 16 right away. Estevez didn't sign until he was 18. Uh, didn't make it to the U.S. until he was the age of 20. So they they kept him in the Dominican Summer League a little while there. And then Herman Marquez, who was not signed by the Colorado Rockies, he was close to signing with them. They, they just missed out on him. He was signed by Tampa Bay for $225,000 out of Venezuela. Same year, twenty, the 2011 July 2 class. That's right. If you're paying attention, Antonio Senzatella actually got more money than Herman Marquez. So, again, you never know how these things are going to pan out. That's why it's so fun to speculate about prospects and draft classes and and, and where, where does a farm system rank when compared to other teams. You know, the Rockies farm system is on the way up. It, it, it is on the way up. It is improving over the last couple years. And we'll see what they do in this next draft because there's going to be a lot of eyes on the scouting department with the recent changes that have been made, both with Bill Schmidt, a guy who's been there for just about forever and has done a very solid job ascending to the role of general manager. He'll still be involved, of course, with the draft, but he's got other things and other duties that he's going to need to work on and focus on, right? He's got to delegate. And with the, the, the hiring and the promotion 
of the owner's son, well, that's going to bring a lot of scrutiny. And we'll wait and see. I'm not going to scrutinize uh, any decision really. Well, it could be five to 10 years until you scrutinize because you could draft a guy and you say, ah, I don't like that move. I don't think he was great. And then he could possibly turn out to become the next Nolan Arenado, a flat-footed catcher who was the closer on his high school team. And you go, you sign this guy in the, in the second round, like he can barely run the bases. What are you doing? Well, hey, he's now going to be a future Hall of Famer, Nolan Arenado. So you you just never know. And that that's what's fun. That's what's absolutely fun to, to speculate and, and to follow the minor league players. And now we've got the international signing period to keep our eye out for. Saturday, January 15th is when it starts. So we'll be covering that like we do any and all things related to Major League Baseball. Remember, Thursday morning, 945, we're going to be with Drew Goodman from AT&T Sportsnet. If you are a member of the DNVR.com, remember, we've got our members-only Discord room, and you can go ahead and throw a question in there that goes to the top of the pile when we're talking with Goody about all things Rockies and all things baseball. It's only 50 cents for your first month. If you have an annual membership, you know you do get that free T-shirt from the DNVR locker. You get a bigger beer. When you're down at the bar, Really, what more could you ask for besides all the great Broncos, Nuggets, Avs coverage? It's getting to be a very exciting time of the year again. Broncos are over, so that's not exciting. But look, they've got a whole new leadership coming through. And you got to know, I think there's 10 different candidates that Zach and Mace and RK they're looking into. We know Nuggets and Avs are looking to make a deep run in the postseason. Jamal Murray is, is about to be back for the Nugs. That's exciting. And the Rockies, you know, they, they've got an opportunity to make some moves. Once this lockout ends, you can go and check out an article that I wrote on DNVR Rockies about what it could take for the Rockies to acquire a player like Kevin Kiermeyer and solve that center field issue that they have. They're not going to get a ton of pop out of him. I think his numbers will have somewhat of an uptick, right? It's Coors Field. It should, it should work that way pretty nicely. But defensively, what he brings... And with what his contract looks like, and we know Tampa Bay is always looking to reduce the payroll and save themselves some money, it almost makes too much sense. But I go through piece by piece, what do the Rockies have to give up? They don't have to give up a lot from their major league roster, and it really can help them right away. If they are truly a couple pieces away from contending, this is a major trade that can get the Rockies pointed in that right direction. You can read all about that on the DNVR Com. Appreciate y'all joining in, especially Henry, Nathaniel, my man, hanging out in the chat. Appreciate all the questions, all the love. Again, you can follow us and reach out to me on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies. My personal account is at Patrick D. Lyons. So for DNVR Sports, you know what they say, momentum is only as good as tomorrow's podcast. So I'll talk to you then. First step to good health is taking care of your mouth. It's really true. And the folks at Green Mountain Dental Group have been pivotal in keeping those of us at DNVR in great shape. Same is true for our DNVR listeners who've switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist. When you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you're going to receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. 